Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the land of bourbon and bad decisions. This is Relentless Daring live on podbean.com and the Podbean app. And if you're not listening to it live, you can always, you're probably listening to the podcast either at relentlessdaring.com or on your favorite podcatching apps. Uh, What's up, Kim? Glad to see you in the room. Sean, the one and only Sean M., a good buddy of mine from the back of my army days at Fort Hood is Entered the chat room. Glad to see you're listening. And uh, Scuba Steve just dove in. So, before I really get into it, I'd just like to tell you about my recent adventures in the the world of YouTube. So, So, those of you who don't know, YouTube is a great place for unscrupulous people to go and say that you are using their copyrighted material and put a copyright claim against you. I discovered this when three episodes that, you know, Podbean makes a video for and then automatically shares over on YouTube had copyright claims from an organization called Airbit. I have no issue using their name because they file copyright claims against me. They said that I used 14 seconds of a song that they held the copyright for as part of the intro. And I saw that and I couldn't help but think, "Hmm, that's weird. All of my music is handpicked from loops that are readily available for public consumption on the GarageBand app. You know, I don't have the money to, you know, to buy licensed music and use, so I built my own from stuff that is publicly available. Then, so I did what any good entrepreneur would do. I defended my work. And I am proud to say that Airbit went back and listened and I Guess they compared it to what they held it, what they held the copyright on, and determined that no, those three randomly picked episodes that used fourteen seconds of music they said was theirs. I was my feet cutting in. A, ah, yeah, I uh, really can't help that. Welcome to me doing a show in the middle of nowhere. Um, but anyways. Yeah, you know, I defended my work. And I, you know, contested it. And I said, uh, "No, all the music is completely built by me using these loops, and is all original." So you know, those three randomly 
chosen episodes, but I only used 14 where 14 seconds were apparently stolen. Yeah, those claims were magically dropped. So thank you, Airbit, for trying to steal any money I might make off of YouTube by claiming my work was, in fact, yours. It's absolutely amazing what people will do to go and try to make money. I mean, yeah, I'm sitting here hope, hopefully going one day make money on doing this show, but at least I'm not trying to steal it from other people's hard work. So anyways, yeah, uh, Kim says that is crazy and dishonest and absolutely. But anyways, the title of this episode, A Tale of Two Dicks. Well... Remember way back, you know, we had the the Las Vegas shooting, and then a few months later we had uh, the Stoneman Douglas shooting down in Florida. Well, in an act of support for gun control measures, Dick Sporting Goods decided they were no longer going to sell certain types of guns. Okay, that's all well and good. And then they went to further uh, double down. And at many stores across the country, they stopped selling guns altogether. Now, I know it's their business, and they can stand up and they can virtue signal, wave their little, oh, look at how good I am, flag all they want. Well, it turns out they may be shooting themselves in the foot way worse than they expected. You see, because they stopped selling guns, in many states where they have instituted shutdowns of non-essential businesses, Kim asked, does anyone ever shop at Dick's Sporting Goods? I don't, just because the closest one is an hour away, and I'm not driving an hour when I can just go get anything I need for sports at Walmart. So, the, uh, so their states and their their shutdowns of non-essential businesses, you know, sporting goods stores were included in this unless, unless they also sold firearms because the federal government said firearm sales are essential business. So, now, here's Dix making this uh, crazy virtue signal of we're no longer going to sell guns because we are so good and proud of ourselves, and as a matter of fact, our poop doesn't even stink. We are so good. But, you know, an article from Red State... Dick Sporting Good continues to shoot itself in the foot, now forced to close locations due to no gun sales. Sean says he's only shopped at Dick's for sporting or for uh, for running shoes. Yeah, you got to get them somewhere. And it, and honestly, if I had a Dick's close by and they were running a better deal on, you know, running shoes, if especially if I was still in the army and actually had to buy running shoes. 
if they were running a better deal that where I could get them there, I would probably get them there, but they're only getting me in because I can save money there versus going to wherever else. Anyways, uh, this Red State art- article, the anti-gun policy by the company continues to raise questions. It is turning out that a company pledging to keep its word on turning away from guns will continue to struggle to keep its doors open. Just at the time of increased interest in the product is surging, Dick's Sporting Goods is spurning anyone interested in the product. Years back, following the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, the CEO of Dick's announced new restrictive policies in their stores regarding gun purchases. It was a staged PR effort and a dose of corporate virtue signaling meant to engender the chain in the minds of Americans. It has been a colossal failure with the company receiving backfire from customers. And it goes on to say that you know, they lost a huge chunk of business in the first two quarters after making this decision that we're not going to sell guns or restrict the types of guns we sell. And then a lot of stores, like I said earlier, they doubled down and they stopped selling guns altogether. And so now, because they're no longer engaged in, quote, essential commerce, end quote, They've had to close the stores, lay off employees, all because of a decision, you know, to look good in the eyes of the public. And so now, with the huge loss of revenue on top of what they were already losing, yeah, a lot of their stores that were forced to close may not reopen. Now, I would hate to say that I wished anything bad happened to their store because of bad choices. However, it is nice to see that, you know, there's times when trying to look good for the wrong reasons will completely and totally bite you right in the ass, as it seems to be going on right now. Uh, In South Carolina, Governor... Uh, Henry McCaster has decreed that stores selling non-essential goods must close as he mandates social distancing standards. This order will include sporting goods locations, except for those which are exempted because they supply guns, a product included in a listed essential good, as a essential good. A curious wrinkle in the viral reaction era. But Dix has effectively removed itself from one of the remaining viable segments of our economy. And this is one of the things I've been harping on the last several weeks is, you know, doing these shutdowns that are harming the economy. Mostly because, you know, if it's a situation in the economy where banks are making horrible decisions, businesses are making horrible decisions, and it has a cascade effect that causes the economy to tank, that's one thing. When you have states and the federal government coming in and, well, we really recommend you, well, the federal government has been very, we really recommend you do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, people for the most part are are sticking with these, uh, gov- these federal suggestions. But the states, on the other hand... Some of them have uh, done shutdowns that are very, very draconian. 
I'm looking at you, Michigan. Don't, no, don't, don't play dumb. You know what I'm talking about. Um, where, you know, people aren't allowed to travel to a second home. People aren't allowed to buy gardening supplies. You know, you have places like that, and these uber, uber, southern Canada, I think you mean to say. But what did North Dakota have to do with anything? I was talking about Michigan. But... I'm waiting for a response. I don't think I'm going to get one. Oh, well. Um, doggone it, Steve. But anyways, you have these states that have these very draconian measures that come in and just absolutely destroy the economy because people can't go out and go to work because, oh, my God, oh, my God, Bill has a fever. He could spread to all of us. We're all going to die. That kind of panic at the state level is now killing business. And now the economy, the economy's not dying. The economy is not committing suicide. The economy is being Epstein because it's being made to look like it just fell apart. And in all actuality, it's being, it's being hung in a prison cell made to look like it just fell apart. And then, you know, like I said, you have businesses like Dick's that come in and, you know, because of decisions they made to look good in the past, now they've, they've put themselves in a situation where they're not going to be able to stand up and may not be able to recover. And then you have people who may have been out of a job temporarily or maybe even just had their hours cut who now they could be permanently looking for a job. It's it's amazing what people will do. Sean says gun stores are not to blame. No, I, I, I'm absolutely not blaming gun stores. I'm just saying that in a situation like what we have now, where we have government saying what is or is not essential, you know, get a little, uh, little corporatism going on, Picking winners and losers, so to speak. And now you have segments of of the economy that are just being devastated because, you know, well, the government says that I'm not essential. Even though, you know, I am essential because my business provides X service to this community. My employees are essential because they provide, you know, these shots in the arm to the economy because of, you know, they take their income from me and then they go and, you know, it goes out into the economy, goes to the local grocery store, it goes to, you know, paying taxes, it goes back into, you know, funding the city and the state. And it all just kind of, you know, builds on itself. But, you know, you have the government coming in saying, X, Y, and Z is, you know, not essential, you know, where as me, I work in a plant that makes whiskey barrels. And because we make wood and forest products, 
We are an essential business. And even more so because I'm the guy who brings the trailers around to get loaded or, you know, brings, uh, you know, material trailers to the docks to be unloaded. I'm an essential employee at said plant. So while they might cut hours in other places, I'm still there. You know, a lot of the plant only worked 40 hours this week, you know, four 10-hour days, but I was still there, you know, working a fifth 10-hour day because, again, there's trailers that still have to be moved around, loaded, and unloaded. So, you know, again, you know, it's the effect of a government saying what is or is not essential. Uh, Kim says that Wisconsin's still on lockdown until May 26th. And here on April 24th, there's a rally in Madison. Oh, yeah. There's a rally in Jefferson City on uh, this coming Tuesday as well. But unfortunately, I'm a, I am an essential employee, so I will not be going to Jeff City to attend said rally. However, I do have plenty of friends who will be there, so I will be glad to you know, talk to them, see, see how that went. And Sean says California till May 15th, the last he heard. Yeah, uh, Missouri just extended to May 3rd as well. But and the good news is a lot of places like, oh, Cage has not worked in a month and that sucks. Yeah, that is awful, man. I, I don't think I'd be able to, I don't think I'd be able to handle it if I was stuck not working for, well, yeah, I wouldn't be able to handle it, but I would still be working because I would find things to do that, you know, you know, give the give the finger to the government because I need to make money, I need to pay bills, and it's just no sense in sitting and doing nothing. I I have never collected on a on unemployment, and I would do everything I could to avoid it. But, you know, and there's other places that have started to show signs that the uh, the curve is flattening. I uh, heard a report out of New York today that their new cases have started to drop. And their current cases have started to drop as people are uh, beginning to recover. So, that's a good sign. Uh, here in Missouri and St. Louis, which is one of the hardest hit parts of the state. They're beginning to flatten out, show recovery. And it also turns out that maybe this hasn't been as bad as people have thought. See, Kim says her fiance's part-time job has been furloughed, has full-time, has unpaid furlough some days. Ooh, that is awful. But, um... So one of the big things going on is uh, Stanford University has been doing a uh, uh, 3,500 person study on uh, looking for antibodies because they've been of the opinion that, you know, this thing has probably been here a lot longer than we thought. And uh, this is an article from Hot Air Study. Antibodies show 50 to 85 times as many people in California 
in one California county have had the disease than confirmed cases. Uh, this is uh, written by Ala Pundit. Again, this is at Hot Air. Lots of excitement about this result on social media day, although there are two ways to look at it. One is the optimistic way, which I've highlighted in the headline. If the number of Americans who've had COVID is 50 to 85 times the number of confirmed cases, then we're further along towards herd immunity than we thought. Suddenly, the Oxford model of the outbreak, which imagined many millions of undetected infections, is back in play. The pessimistic way to look at this is the fact that in Santa Clara County, a prevalence of 50 to 85 times the number of confirmed cases would mean that 3% or so of the population there has had the disease. That's right in line with experts' current estimates, including Scott Gottlieb's, that something like 1% to 5% of Americans have had the virus so far. Scientists are, who are encouraging lockdowns would expect a result like this. So, as more antibodies, as more antibody studies are done, uh, my guess is that we'll have the same reaction to many of them, if not all. Lots more people than we thought have had coronavirus. And... Is actually written like that. We're still nowhere near the numbers we need across the population to meaning, meaning, yeah, meaningfully reduce transmission rates in near term via herd immunity. And one of the things that they've also found this is that based on the numbers of people who are showing the antibody who were never tested positive, maybe never even felt sick or never felt sick enough to go to the doctor is that's also showing that it's way less lethal. Uh, they're estimating also, you know, 50, 85 times more people have had it than who have tested positive, which they also estimate would be 50 to 85 times less lethal than what's been going around. You know, when you have models that initially were pre- predicting, you know, you know, 2 million Americans would die from it. So that's just Americans. That's not counting you know, everyone else in the world. Fiona says, we don't know because there's not enough testing capacity available still. Yeah. I agree that, yes, we, we can be doing more. And right now, most of the testing is being done in the hardest hit areas. You know, the county I live in, you know, county, the county I live in, we have a whopping 25 cases in a county of 53,000 people. You know, the county I work in has had zero and they've had uh, close to 200, 200 people who were tested because they were sick enough and met the criteria to actually get a test. So, I live in south-central rural Missouri, Fiona. And, you know, if I lived in St. Louis, that would be a whole other story because, you know, St. Louis, St. Charles counties, North County, South County, all that, people are stacked and packed on top of each other. That's uh, one of the reasons why, you know, cities, New York, uh, and all that out there, 
in all those major cities. It's the reason why transmission rates are so high. What's my aim exactly? I'm, um, I really don't have an aim. I'm not trying to, you know, denigrate anything. I'm just giving my take on it. Um, the, is it in cities when you have people who are stacked on top of each other, uh, like what's people talking about these, uh, huge, uh, meat packing plant in, was it, uh, Sioux city, South Dakota that got shut down. Well, oh, there are hundreds of people. Well, within the plant itself was just a handful. The thing is, um, a lot of these people who got sick who worked in the plant are from immigrant families. They come in on uh, on work visas, and they come. And those that do get naturalized, they you know the chain migration thing. They bring in you know as many family members as will qualify under the you know under immigration law, and so you get multi generation homes. Speaking of handful, let's wash our hands. It's funny. Um, the uh, you know you have these multi general multi generation homes, just in multi family units. You know, and they just they all pack in on top of each other, and it just spreads the disease around very quickly. Uh, one of the things going back to a University of Hong Kong study back in the 2004 2005 looking at part of the reason why we had the second spike of SARS in Toronto after the after the first SARS epidemic kind of faded off and it popped back up again part of it is because these coronaviruses they do very well in climate controlled environments you know upwards of 70 73 74 degrees which is kind of where a lot of people keep their homes so now you have much people in the winter packed into a tight location just recirculating that air over and over again it just allows it to spread and so now then you take entire cities where that's you know almost the norm and it spreads really fast and really far Whereas, you know, people in the country like me, um, I think we, our community has known a couple of the people who've gotten sick off from it, but it hasn't really been, oh my God, everyone around us is dying of this. And so one of the things I've been saying from the, from the very beginning is use targeted shutdowns in a large city yeah you want to minimize people being out and about and being in contact with each other whereas you don't don't necessarily need you know that much control over people in rural environments people were spread out here where yeah i i know you tried to call in but my computer has really jacked up audio, so I can record, but I can't hear anything. So if you did try to call in, 
everyone else would hear you, I wouldn't be able to tell anything you're saying. Not to mention, I don't have my, uh, because of that, I don't have the audio routed into my mixer from the computer. So even then, uh, I don't know how well it would go out to everyone else, especially on recording it for the podcast. So these are things I'm working on. As I've said lots and lots of times before, I am on less than a shoestring budget. It's more like a rotting piece of bailing twine I found out in the hayfield. But yeah, so Sean says he will try to call next time. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll give you my uh, Skype information and I can put you through on the iPad. But you know, all this stuff is going on. And we're starting to see places where the curve is flattening. Uh, like I said, Andrew Cuomo came out and said that uh, their numbers of new infections are starting to go down. Fiona doesn't need to know the electronics of it. Lives in rural Maine. That's where I'm coming from. Yeah, I love my country references too because that's my life, Sean. You know this. You've been to my house where it's nice and quiet. <laughs> yeah, I wish my calling capacity worked too, but again, I'm I'm stuck with what I have. But yeah, the but these numbers are I said were coming out of Stanford that more and more people may have had it than previously expected. And, you know, it goes towards, you know, herd immunity to where it's not going to spread as easily. I mean, that's great news in the thick of all of this. It's absolutely great to hear that maybe we're not quite as bad off as we thought we were. I'm going to take, what do I do for work? I work at a plant that builds wine and whiskey barrels. That is how all of this here is funded, through 10 hours a day, of shuffling trailers around at a plant. All right, I want to take a quick break, and then I will be right back. This is Tyler from Relentless Daring, and I am launching the brand new RelentlessDaring.com merch shop. Instead of having to go to a third-party vendor, now you can do everything right there at RelentlessDaring.com. If you want to buy merch, go to RelentlessDaring.com slash shop, and there you can get hats, you can get t-shirts, you can get hoodies, you can get coffee cups, you can get stickers. Go there today to show your love for the Relentless Daring podcast. And as always, stay relentless. All right, getting back into it now. Wow, it's a little quiet in my ear. So, anyways, title of this episode is The Tale of Two Dicks. I've told the tale of one dick. That would be Dick Sporting Goods. Now for the other half of this. Fiona has followed me. Find her on Instagram. I would do that. I really, I really don't do the grams, but... I will check it out. 
So the the other half of this, um, San Francisco Chronicle, Gavin Newsom's administration not releasing details on one billion dollar California contract for coronavirus masks. Well, that can't be good. So, anyways, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom's administration has yet to release details on its $1 billion contract with the Chinese company hired to provide masks to combat the spread of coronavirus, a deal that has drawn scrutiny over the company's reported track record of selling defective products. (laughs) Uh, An official from the Newsom administration refused to provide state senators with a copy of the contract during a budget oversight hearing in Sacramento on Thursday, despite the state having already paid half the cost. Christina Curry, Chief Deputy Director of the State Office of Emergency Services, told senators via video conference that disclosing all the specifics of its contract with Chinese manufacturer, BYD, could disrupt the supply line of masks to the state. Quote, We have concerns about releasing too many details of it. Our goal is to get the supply into California for the people who need it. End quote. She added, we do intend to provide that when we have assurances that the supply is going to be arriving with and with the requirements that we have set forth, end quote. And so here we have the state giving a contract to a foreign company, which if they can supply the masks at the best price, hey, I'm all I'm all I'm all for saving taxpayer money. If they don't have to spend money that Californians have paid in, by all means, don't spend the money. But if you're giving that contract to a company that's been known to produce bad product, such as defective masks that still allow you to, you know, get infections or possibly, I don't know, coronavirus tests that have a 30% fail rate. Maybe you might want to rethink who you're giving your contracts to. Uh, the Office of Emergency Services has provided a timeline for when, it will re- re- for when it will release the contract, which the governor has declared will provide the state with 200 million protective masks monthly to provide to hospital workers and others. Deal came under scrutiny after Vice News reported that BYD, which stands for Build Your Dreams, has previously been blacklisted from some federal contracts because of concerns about the quality of its products. BYD has no history of making medical protective gear and has only recently retrofitted a factory to produce masks. Now, I will give them that, you know, yeah, they don't have a history of building this stuff, but... You know, we have companies here in America, you know, uh, Tesla started building respirators or ventilators, excuse me, started building ventilators and selling those to California hospitals. Despite, you know, he caused a dust up with CNN because we asked Gavin Newsom if if you got if he got any of those ventilators that he said that Elon Musk said he was built and the governor said no, when it turns out that, 
you know, Elon Musk was not going through the governor. He was going directly to the hospitals. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, you also have uh, companies like MyPillow who retrofitted a factory and started producing 50,000 masks per day to meet the to meet the needs. And uh, I think Haynes is another company that's done that. You know, part of it is they wanted to do it because it's the right thing to do to help out. Some of them may have had their arms twisted with the Defense Production Act, but, you know, who am I to judge, you know, the government coming in and saying, uh, you're going to do this? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right, because I don't believe government should be forcing private industry into doing certain things. Uh, Missouri Governor... This is from Trent and Casey. What is up in Kansas City? Missouri governor announced that the supplier they used and paid in the tens of millions that that supplier, three actually, did not deliver. Hashtag shocked, not shocked. Um, yeah, again, if, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, graph that seems to uh, ah, two of the suppliers did refund money. One won't, and again, he's Trenton Casey says he, he is not shocked. I actually hadn't seen that one. Thanks for bringing that one up to me. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of graphs going on, and you know the good thing about some of the the domestic suppliers that are doing this is that if they overextend on what they're able to do. They, it's easy for them to give money back if they got paid in advance. However, you start getting into foreign suppliers, especially in, you know, unscrupulous communist countries that have no no problem lying to Americans. Um. Well, then you're probably not going to get your money back because, you know, stupid Americans gave us money. Ha, 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 ha. Kansas better than the Missouri side by far. Yeah, I have seen that. Uh, Trent says Kansas is doing okay. Kansas better than Missouri side. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, of course, I, I've been around on the uh, on that side of Kansas City, Olathe and all that. And... I don't think it's quite as heavily populated as, say, as uh, Clay and Jackson counties are. So, on the Missouri side. All right, uh, yeah, I'll check your stuff out. Uh, thanks for uh, coming in and checking it out, Trent. Good to good to hear from a fellow, you know, uh, within the region of Missouri, if not on not in fact on this side of the state line, but, um, yeah, it's just crazy that, you know, wait, what do you mean a Chinese company would lie to us? And it's even crazier that, you know, when the state legislator, when a, when the state Senate 
who is supposed to be overseeing how the executive branch is fulfilling these contracts, the executive branch goes, oh, no, we're we're not going to give that to you yet. Wait, what? Does California have a different government set up than the the rest of the United States? Is California's executive branch not, you know, being held to account for their actions? Do they not have to be held to account for their actions or how they use money by the legislative branch? Now, I know that if Barack Obama had given a ton of money to say, I don't know, another country that is really big on giving money to terrorist organizations, it would cause a firestorm in a Republican-controlled Congress. Oh, 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 wait, wait, that that did happen. And, And I know if Donald Trump, you know, issued a ton of money out to, under a contract for X, Y, and Z, or redirected money that was already appropriated into something else like, I don't know, taking national defense money and declaring a national emergency and taking that Department of Defense money and putting it towards a border wall, a Democrat-controlled Congress would lose their minds. Oh, wait, they did that too. But in California, the executive branch gets uppity because how dare the legislature expect to have, I don't know, oversight. That's ridiculous. Especially when it's a contract with a company that has no history of building these products and the history that they do have is not a good one because they build defective products. And they build defective products to the point where they've been blacklisted from getting U.S. government contracts. Which, why the U.S. government is giving contracts to Chinese companies anyways, is beyond me. Uh, BYD did not respond to Chronicle requests for comment. Company spokesman Frank Girardo told the Associated Press that it, quote, absolutely, 100%, complies with U.S. safety requirements. End quote. Some California lawmakers have been asking for details of the BYD contract for more than a week. State Senator Holly Mitchell, a Los Angeles Democrat who chairs the Budget Committee, sent a letter to the Newsom administration requesting full details, including quality standards and price per mask. Quote, under normal circumstances, the legislature would have had more time to deliberate an expenditure of this magnitude and would have been allowed to thoroughly vet the details of the contract before proceeding, end quote. It's what Mitchell wrote on that. And that's absolutely true. Any time when the executive branch engages in something like this, I don't think they should be getting butthurt when the legislature that's in charge of, I don't know, providing oversight, comes in and actually provides oversight. 
But to stonewall and just go, you know, yeah, we don't have it all quite worked out yet. But as soon as we have the assurances that they're going to give us the masks that we paid for, we'll let you know about how that contract went. Wait, no. If they're coming and saying, uh, you just spent money that was probably appropriated for something else without our consent, we want to see it. You know, by God, maybe you should turn your receipts over. I'm just saying. And I've got one more story real quick. Out of reason, this is a uh, one of those fight for your right kind of stories. And it's also kind of in line with the uh, title of this episode. A teenager posted about her COVID-19 infection on Instagram. A deputy threatened to arrest her if she didn't delete it. So, the basic gist of the story is a Wisconsin teenager came down, uh, she was part of her senior trip, went to Disney World, people started getting getting really sick, and the epidemic was, or pandemic was really starting to take off here in the United States. So, the trip was cut short, and whoop, back home, they went. Shortly after getting home, she got sick. She was displaying symptoms that were congruent with COVID-19, went to the doctor. She did not get tested. But later on, her symptoms got way worse, ended up in the hospital at that point. So she was tested and it came back negative. But the doctor said this she may have come in too late to test positive for COVID-19. This sounds like COVID-19. We're going to treat it like COVID-19. And she got on Instagram and the kids and their grams and all that stuff. Decided that she's telling her story about having COVID-19. And, you know, her parents did their due diligence. They called the school and said, hey, the doctor is fairly certain this is COVID-19. She didn't test positive, but that's what that's his his professional medical opinion. Well, because of her Instagram posts and the call from the parents, well, the school was getting a lot of calls about, "Hey, this girl who's on the senior trip with our kids has has says she has this." And it's, it's causing a bit of a panic. So the school, instead of saying, yes, the doctor thinks she has this and you should treat your children, you know, as such, keep an eye on them, blah, 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 blah. They called the sheriff's department. And the sheriff then sent a deputy to her house to tell her to delete the post because it's in violation of of, I don't know, uh, of uh, disorderly conduct laws. Kim says, boy, nothing like hearing about your state when they do something stupid. Yeah, I know. It's. I live in Missouri. I, anytime I hear a story that starts out with a man high on meth... I automatically presume it's probably Missouri they're going to be talking about. But, yeah, that's that's kind of how it goes when, you know, your state. Well, 
Well, there's a reason they made a show called Ozark that takes place about 45 minutes from where I live. So, there's that. So, now the, uh, you know, she had a sheriff's deputy show up and, you know, tell her to delete post. And so she did, you know, because who wants to be arrested for disorderly conduct? And they, they immediately got, you know, went to, uh, went to a uh, First Amendment law firm. I have to kind of scroll through here to find the group. Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, and the Institute sent a letter to the sheriff saying that, you know, hey, you violate her First Amendment rights to tell her story, and by telling her to, you know, if she doesn't drop, remove these posts, she'll be arrested. We would like an apology. That's that's all they were asking for. You know, demand both an apology and the promise that there would be no further threats of criminal charges against the family for the girl's post. That's when the sheriff came out and dropped the, well, this is a, this is like yelling fire in a movie theater. You can't do it. It's not protected speech. So now, yay, they filed a lawsuit against both the sheriff and the deputy who came out and, you know, made the threats to have her arrested. As of the writing of this story, after hearing the violation of the Constitution, I am embarrassed to call, be called a Wisconsinite. I promise we aren't all stupid. Oh, I know you're not all stupid. Um, you know, my neighbor's uh, sister-in-law, she lives in Wisconsin. She's a great lady. We love her to death. And, yeah, I've been to Wisconsin quite a few times. Although... They will never be able to force me to go back to Hayward, Wisconsin ever again. Too many trips to that place in the middle of nowhere. But, um, yeah, Wisconsin is a great place. I'm sorry you have people that are uh, ruining the reputation of your fine state. You know, they're not, you know, idiots who live in, you know, places like Milwaukee or Green Bay. You know, the big cities. But, um, but yeah, so as of the writing of this story, nothing has uh, really happened. There's just, the suits have been filed. The Neither the sheriff nor the deputy have issued a formal apology. So we'll, that was going to have to wait and see how that one plays out. So... Again, thank you all for tuning in and checking out the show tonight. It's been great having you along. But so I've been doing this for a little over a year now. Uh, <laughs> Kim says don't go to Madison. I've been through Madison. That's a scary town. I would much, I'd much rather I would much much rather go to Milwaukee, which I've actually been to Milwaukee. I don't remember what I did there. It was while I was driving driving a semi. I always know is I had to go. I think I was picking up a look. No, I delivered a load of steel beams in Milwaukee. That's what I was doing. Yeah, but I was there. Nice little town. 
Scuba Steve says a completely misunderstood decision. The fire in a theater decision speaks about how you can still be held accountable for the results of what you say, not simply that you said it. Yes, um, the reason he well, the reason why he was saying that is because it was causing a a public disturbance because there were parents calling the school all in a panic. They he they she didn't cause a stampede and cause someone to get hurt because of that. But oh my gosh, she upset people. Oh my goodness, neither here nor there. Yeah, I love that. He's like. Use that quote a lot too. I should probably find something else. But that is neither hither nor yon. There. I mixed it up for you, Sean. Went with something else. Anyways, I'm glad you all li- tuned in and listened tonight. If you're checking it out uh, on the podcast, again, thank you so very much for checking out the podcast. If you are listening on Apple, I asked you four things. If you're on the Apple uh, podcast, Apple iTunes, Number one, subscribe. You'll get the new get this episode when it posts either later tonight or tomorrow morning. It'll be Saturday night or Sunday morning. If you, those of you who don't exactly know when this is getting recorded. Number two, give me that five star rating. The more t- more of those the five star ratings it gets, the more it makes it available to be seen to other people. Number three. Leave a review. Leave a nice review. I mean, if you don't like it, just kind of embellish a little bit. You know, say, yeah, he's pretty good. We like listening to him. You know, leave a review. Then then what pops up with the, those five-star ratings, people read the reviews and go, oh, I might like this too. These people seem to really enjoy him. And last but not least, number four, please, Share the episode, get that link, send it to your friend, send it to a friend who you think will like the show, send it to your liberal friend, and drive them absolutely bat crap crazy. I don't care. I like driving people crazy. It's what I do, because hate and discontent is one of those, those two of those things that I love to share with everybody. Probably not the best thing to say. Eh, whatever, I already said it. I'll edit that out and post. But anyways, again, thank you all for tuning in and listening every week. I'll, I'll just be sure to go to www.relentlessdaring.com. Uh, you can stream episodes there if you want to get caught up. You can buy merch there. I know in the commercial it says that uh, there's hats available. Eh, right now, uh, the supplier who does the hats, they are shut down due to coronavirus concerns. So right now hats are not available, but everything that is on that is on the website for sale, you can check it out. Um, it might take a little longer to get uh, to get delivered if you buy anything because, again, coronavirus concerns kind of have to reroute production to uh, other shops. So if you buy anything, it takes a while to get there. I apologize in advance. There's not much I can do. That's out of my hands. But again, thank you all for tuning in, and as always, stay relentless.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.